it should be enjoyable for you, you know? And it's like, you know, that's the ultimate thing. It should be like matter to you more than like the people listening. Like when, I, when people are listening in, I get, I'm very excited and happy, but ultimately I'm doing this because I have something I want to say and I have a perspective that I want to share. And, um, you know, the audience shrinks. It's like, I'm still going to do it because it matters to me. You're listening to Creative Breakthrough, the podcast that provides you with the strategies to elevate your creative passion to the next level. I'm your host, creative hustler, and chicken wing lover, Shireen Kassam, aka The Funny Brown Girl. And yes, I have an unhealthy obsession with chicken wings. Now, get ready to flex your creative muscle and keep winning. Is your mind always running? Do you struggle focusing? Do you have a hard time turning off after your nine to five to focus on your creative passion? Well, then I may have an answer for you, CBD. CBD is an active ingredient in cannabis derived from the hemp plant, but unlike its cousin marijuana, it doesn't give you the psychotic high. And it's legal in most places, including the United States. Since I introduced CBD into my daily life, I've felt less anxious and more creative. It's helped me sleep better, be more relaxed, and most of all, it's helped me turn off after a stressful day and focus on my creative hustles. If you want to learn more, check out hoorayforcbd.com and use the code PODCAST to save 10% on your first purchase. Again, that's hoorayforcbd.com and promo code PODCAST to save 10% off any CBD purchase. Welcome back to another episode of The Creative Breakthrough. I'm your host, Shireen Kassam. Thank you so much for joining me. I am so grateful for you guys who come back week after week. And to our new listeners, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, before we get started today, really quickly, I just wanted to talk about creativity and staying busy. There's been a lot of research that shows that the busier we are, the less creative we are. And I will say that that is so true. I have been running at 200 miles per hour lately. I mean... I don't even have time to get enough sleep. I can feel it in my body. And last week, I just decided, you know what? I am going to cancel all my evening activities, all my dinner plans, all my podcast interviews, everything. And I'm just going to take it easy. And so that's what I did. I came home every day between 6 and 6.30. I had dinner. I took a shower and I got into bed and I binge watched Jane the Virgin. And I know I'm behind the ball on this show, but oh my God, I've been binge watching this show for a whole week now. And if anybody out there is listening to this podcast who has also watched that show, please message me because I have so much I want to talk about about this show and I don't know who to talk to about it because everybody's already seen it so long ago but yeah message me anyways I've been binge watching this show and I took it easy last week like I was in bed by I was like asleep by 9 9 30 I was up at 6 30 to go to the gym and I felt really good and what was interesting is that when I look at that time as I was watching Jane the Virgin my brain had just started working again, I felt like. Like I was having ideas about my next TV pilot that I wanted to write. I had some joke ideas I wanted to do. I had some ideas about like a screenplay I wanted to write and even a novel that I wanted to write. And I was just laying there and all these thoughts were coming to me. And it's so true. It's like I allowed myself that time to just sit there idly and let these ideas come to me. And I usually don't have time for that. Usually I'm go, 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 go. And then I get into bed and I go to sleep and there's no downtime. There's no time to let my brain just stop and relax and come up with these ideas. So I urge you guys for this next two weeks, 
Come up with a goal, something to help you be less busy, something to help you have that moment, that peaceful moment where you can have these creative ideas. I'm going to tell you mine. Mine is I, I am addicted to checking my phone. I don't know why. Like every couple of minutes I have to check it as if I'm going to miss something important. And so my goal for the next two weeks is to take my cell phone when I get home and go put it in the bedroom and then shut the bedroom door and not look at it again until I go to bed at night. And that is going to be my goal so that at least when I'm at home, I'm not distracted by that cell phone. So I would love to hear yours. If you need accountability, send me an email or post it in the Facebook group. I'll also post it on there and then you guys can chime in with what your goals are for the next two weeks. Okay. So let's jump into part two of the interview with Ahmed Akbar. Now, this next part is really, really interesting, especially if you are a podcaster, a writer, a journalist, a screenwriter, a TV pilot writer, any type of creative that is putting out work for other people to um, absorb or to, um, to kind of be part of the work that you're doing. And so for those of you who are tuning in for the first time and may have not heard part one, no worries. In part one, we talked to Ahmed Akbar, who is a writer and host of the See Something, Say Something podcast and video series. Previously, Ahmed was a staff writer for BuzzFeed and a Detroit public school teacher. He acted as a correspondent to Netflix Follow This and other shows. He was also the editor of the now defunct Rad Brown Dad's Tumblr and contributed to the Salam Love Essay Anthology. He's a graduate of University of Michigan Ann Arbor and holds a master's in Islamic studies from Harvard Divinity School. Last week, we talked about his journey through Harvard Divinity School and how he started Rad Brown Dads and then how he ended up at BuzzFeed. And we started talking a little bit about his podcast, See Something, Say Something. Today, we dive deeper into how he was able to take See Something, Say Something and make it as popular as it became and what his goals are now that he's no longer at BuzzFeed and what advice he has for creatives, not only in the podcasting space or the writing space, but creatives in general. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. I think that is half the battle with podcasting now is that you do have half the people who really have a story to tell or want to help people or want to put something out there. Then you have the other half who think, if I put something out there, I can quickly make a quick buck. Yeah. So for, for you, what, what, I'm sorry, I'm being a podcaster now, but what brought you into podcasting? <laughs> Um, it was actually, I was at a, um, I, so I'm a stand-up comedian, and I was at a festival, um, ABFF, African American Black Film Festival, and I got to meet with so many creatives, from acting, from film, um, comedians, singers, and I just love the, the mentorship that I got within that one week, and I wanted to continue that. I wanted to continue that feedback and that mentorship, and then I wanted to share it with people who didn't have that opportunity, and so that's where, that's where this podcast came from. Got it, got it. Very cool. Yeah, so the idea is just like, how do I help other people figure out how to become successful creatives? Because I think it's, I mean, not think, it is really difficult. Like when you can't call your daddy to be like, can you make a phone call for me and like get me an internship? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And because my dad's like sitting at a hotel right now, like he doesn't know anybody in LA. He can't do anything for me. Yeah, yeah, that's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, like I also, right? Had, like I said, I didn't know anybody in media at all, and I sometimes still feel like people ask people ask me for like help, and I, I know people, but uh, it's like shocking how, yeah, how there's still a lot of gatekeeping in a lot of mm-hmm. industries, um, and it can be challenging to break through, especially as a person of color. Yeah, do you think it's getting it's getting easier compared to like five or ten years ago when you started in the industry? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't want to be too optimistic about it, but I do think <laughs> people realize that there's a there was a weakness in, in in media, whether that's TV, whether that's journalism, whether it's you know um, radio, and that like um, sort of non-white stories, non you know non-white male stories sell. You know what I mean? And people care about them. Um, and unfortunately, you know, it's, it often becomes money for people um, as opposed to like the quality of the narrative. But like, there is also money in it, um, and I think that has helped people be more willing to uh, invest money in that stuff. But also, there is a moral imperative, and I think people sort of understand that. They don't always fully understand why. Like, as a Muslim person doing this, I often feel like people think they have a moral imperative. Excuse me. That they have a moral imperative to um, include Muslim people, but they don't always think about what that means. They don't really know anything about Muslims besides mm-hmm. like they have beards and they like wear headscarves. <laughs> uh, so that can also be problematic, like to be put into that situation because you want to, they want you to be diverse, but like they don't really care about anything about what you think or you know your perspective on the world. Yeah. So like ultimately, if the perspectives are not being integrated into the workflow, then it's like it's not a good thing. But I think the more people that are hired that are, are sort of, you know, non-white males, um, the better the work industry, work environment is going to be for everybody. Mm-hmm. So anybody who's trying to enter media or even podcasting or the creative space, like what advice would you give them? Um, have I been really negative, Shireen? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not at all. You're keeping it real. It's all about keeping it real. And I, and I appreciate it because like people, like I said, going back to podcasting, it's a, it's a lot of work. I don't think people realize how much work it is. Um, and so like you t- saying that it, it is a lot of work and so you need to go in there knowing like what is it that you're trying to accomplish because if you're not 100% behind what you're trying to accomplish, you're not going to make it. Right. Yeah. So advice um, for people going to media, I think like a big one is being consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people don't, you write a good piece, people will remember that piece you know, it'll stick with him, you'll make an impact, and ultimately that's why people, um, you know, go on, go into writing and why people read stuff is because they want to, you know, have their minds changed, they want to learn things. Um, and, you know, like, I've written some pieces a long time ago that I never really followed up on, but people still think about. And I think the things that people do re- remember, though, are the things that are most consistent, like the podcast. Like I used to do this Ramadan series at BuzzFeed every year where we would like collect a bunch of like different voices and like, you know, it was comedy, it was memoir, it was reporting, all this stuff. Um, so being consistent is super important. Um, and figuring out like, you know, your niche is uh, or niche is like something that uh, takes time. I still feel like I'm still figuring it out, but it's like, it's, it's important to, um, and to not be scared of rejection. You know, you're going to get rejected a lot. I think like, I, you know, I, I, even though I feel like I'm very established in my career, I still get rejections sometimes. Like that's totally normal. Um, and you can't let that, um, stop you. And I think a lot of people who are very talented writers, um, don't submit because they're scared of rejection or they're scared of the work involved. Scared of the work involved because, uh, then you won't if you want to build an audience, you have to like work through those things and power through it. Um, and obviously, there are differences between part-time jobs and full-time jobs. Freelancing is very challenging, challenging, and it's a, it's a way into into the industry. Um, but it's also important to like try to get those, you know, those find you know a way in 
you know, my way in that BuzzFeed fellowship was not journalistic in nature at first. You know, it was like about going viral. Um, and I was interested in like telling stories about American Muslims. So I came in on the side and I ultimately got to do what I wanted to do, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted in the beginning. What, so, do, you, what do you mean? It was, it was about, they hired you to make things go viral. Is that what you said? Yeah, it was viral content. Oh, okay. It was about teaching you to make viral content. Um, and so one of those things was like learning how to make you know, Muslim content go viral, <laughs> which I did. You know, I did actually do that. That's no, awesome. I mean, nobody ever told me I had to do that, but like to me, that felt like part of what I I I, I was gonna my experiment there. Um, and uh, you know, I I was like in the beginning, I was like, you know, I want to write these viral things and learn that, but I also want to like write like personal essays and like reporting. And they were like, you know, that's not what this job is about. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just have to bide my time until I can do that stuff mm -hmm. and like slowly add that to my repertoire. And that's what I did. I like, you know, I like I said, I developed that reputation without my job ever fully being like, you know, as American Muslims. I was like covering it. I was doing it, and I was putting myself into the room. I was starting, you know, employee organizations, um, and ultimately, it did become my job. Even though initially it looked like a like a long way away, and other people who wanted their job to be more like what my job eventually became. You know, unfortunately, we're never able to make that transition sometimes, and that was frustrating um, because sometimes it is luck as well. It's not like I'm not saying like it was all like completely, um, you know, just because I'm like the super talented person or anything. Because there was a lot of talented people who struggled as well, and it took them, you know, like maybe now they're doing what they want to do um, later in their career. Um, but it takes a lot. It takes a lot of time, and you never know when you'll find that break. You know. Mm-hmm. No, totally. I was, very I was very, very lucky. So what's next for you? So I'm independently making this uh, podcast on Patreon. So in a way of like transition into becoming kind of a business person, you know, after I left BuzzFeed, I'm like, you know, I'm learning the ins and outs of podcast producing without a producer, you know, being my own producer. I am, you know, reporting for a lot of different outlets. I have, you know, Lots of different stories that, like, you know, the format and work at BuzzFeed didn't allow me to do. And now, not because of any problem with BuzzFeed, but just because, you know, they, for instance, like food writing. I've always really liked food. Um, and, you know, at BuzzFeed, it was just tasty. But I, I can do a lot more stuff now that I've left, including working on, like, you know, things like book proposals on food and, you know, potentially pitching new shows. Um, so, yeah, uh, I have some upcoming collaborations with the podcast. Um, that I can't fully announce yet. There's like a lot of stuff that I can't announce yet. <laughs> like, you know, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of exciting stuff, and you know, I'm the versatility of like being able to work with a lot of different places is very exciting for me. Well, that's cool. I'm excited for you. I can't wait to see what's up next for you. Yeah, thank you. So let's jump right into the lightning round. Okay, so the lightning round. <laughs> I'm going to ask you five questions, rapid fire, and you just tell me the first thing you think of. Okay. How how, how long can my answers be? Uh, like one to three words. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, question one. What's the best piece of advice you've received? I think always be consistent. What's your definition of success? Oh, wow. Um, I'll never be satisfied, honestly. I don't think I'll ever feel successful. Um, so I, I don't think I have a definition of success. It's always moving. That's good. Who inspires you and why? Um... <laughs> I would say the women in my family. I have like very talented sisters who are lawyers. My mother was an activist. My wife is like um, killing the game. Um, and I'm just like this weird artist person on the side doing my thing. 
That's so funny. Your dad was on your podcast. What does your dad think about the fact that you went this route and not like became a doctor or an engineer like most Muslim men are supposed to become? <laughs> At least immigrant South Asian Muslim. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Immigrant uh, South Asian men from Pakistan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think other groups also have that, but I'll just say for um, you know, I think he would always prefer me to be a doctor, but he's also very proud of what I've done. I think he he thinks it's important. I think he he himself has done work in activism and public service and all that stuff. So he understands the desire. Like, it comes from him. It comes from my mother. Um, uh, does he worry about its financial security sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> I think being a doctor is ultimately about financial security for a lot of folks. And growing older, I understand that wisdom a little bit better than when I was young. Um, but I'm glad with what I did, and I think he's also very proud of me and is one of my biggest advocates. Oh, wow, that's awesome. I feel like my parents have become an advocate, but it took them a long time to get there. <laughs> yeah. I think ever since uh, Teach for America and graduating from college, they have been okay with the fact that I've continually worked. I've continually, you know, found, like, stuff that was... Uh, you know, a reach in a way, you know what I mean? Like grad school was a reach, BuzzFeed was a reach, and I still succeeded within them. Um, so I think they've they've respected that. And then when the show came around, they like really understood what I was building for, I think, um, my family, uh, that that was like kind of like a goal and something really important. And my entire family is like very supportive of my work. Very cool. So what's a habit that's helped you on your journey? Always ask questions and ask people who you admire for edits and never expect that what you've done the first time is perfect, that you've considered all perspectives. But there's always a perspective that's like you could add to your work. What do you want your legacy to be? <laughs> um, I would say I'm somebody who thinks a lot about life and death and how short life is. And I think if like tomorrow I passed away, I would be happy with what I did with the time that I was given. Um, like I made an impact on people's lives. People have, you know, I've made some real connections. Um, but there's like a, there's a part of, there's a part of me that also wants something more permanent, like a podcast. So like, I think I'd like to write a few books. I think I'd like to have something that like would be in the archive of, of of stuff you know maybe it'll be forgotten that's okay i don't really know how the future works um but i'd like to write something that you know could last a little bit would you write your books about muslims in america or something totally different yeah probably probably primarily about muslims in america but i think that's you know just like anything else it's like what is any like for instance a novel any like like i just want to write good stuff that is you know makes an impact on people I mean, if our listeners wanted to find you online, where could they find you? So they can find me um, on Twitter at RadBrownDads. Um, my podcast, See Something, Say Something, is on iTunes and anywhere you find your podcasts. Uh, I also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash where people support my work. Um, and I, I post updates for my patrons on the work I'm doing. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Ahmed. This was an awesome conversation, and I'm, I'm sure that our creatives will be very appreciative of you sharing how you got to where you are. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, 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 it, was a, it was a great conversation. Thank you. Wow, as a fellow podcaster, so much good information in this episode. Key takeaways. One, care about your audience and your story. Two, your podcast should matter more to you than to the listeners. Three, be consistent with your work. 
Four, it takes time, but find your niche. Five, be okay with rejection. And six, be open to other people's perspective. Now, go flex your creative muscle and keep winning. Thanks for listening. Stay connected about upcoming resources, including opportunities, festivals, competitions, and grants to help you grow your creative passion by subscribing to my bi-monthly newsletter by visiting funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe. Don't miss out on a life-changing opportunity and subscribe today at funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe. And hey, if you decide to go on Instagram today, follow me. I'm Funny Brown Girl. I'm Shereen Kassam, and you've been listening to Creative Breakthrough. Now, go flex your creative muscle and keep winning.